Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Here, and um, even if you're brand new here today, thank you for coming. We're so glad you're here. If you brought a guest, thank you for bringing somebody. If you're here all the time, we love you. God bless you. Let's give the one that deserves the praise, that gives us breath and life. Let's give our Savior, Jesus Christ, a hand clap of praise. Praise Him. Yes. Give Him some praise today. So, what I love, last week I talked about starting this new series called New Year Fresh Start. What I love about the new year is that God gives us a clean slate. He gives us a fresh start. No matter what happened in 2022, we get that. And a lot of times, I've seen a waning away of it, but a lot of times people do make New Year's resolutions. Now, how many of you here, I asked this on January 1, I don't ask today on the 15th. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand, it's okay. Yes, several of you did. Um, I don't make those, I do... Uh, goals. And so I have goals in my phone that I do. And I look at the end of the year and just, just what I do. But anyway, it reminds me of a couple. They wanted to lose weight. The guy did the husband. And so he's in the bathroom. His wife walks up on him and she sees him on the scales and he is sucking his stomach in and she died laughing. She says, he's so stupid. He thinks it's sucking his stomach in is going to make him weigh less. So she goes in and confronts us. Did you really think sucking your stomach in is going to help you to weigh less? He said, no, but it sure helps to see the numbers down there. <laughs> oh my. So when it comes to a new year, no matter what you're resoluting, what your resolution is doing, I'm, I'm being resolute about this or that. Last week, I want to review what we talked about. What do you think will help you to have a fulfilled life? That was a question I asked last week. Is it to make more money? Is it to find the perfect one? Some of you, God forbid, are talking about trading in one and you're wanting to upgrade. Some of you are thinking you want to change career, you want to start that business or even that ministry. So here's what I want to tell you. What I talked about last week, we make our decisions and ultimately our decisions make us. And you know what, to be honest, A lot of people are just not great decision makers. We're faced with a lot of decisions in this life and we have to predetermine that we get divine direction for godly decisions. And so what I talked about last week was, first and foremost, you've got to own this and understand that you've got to believe that God has the answers, that here is his instructions. And then we get these instructions and through these instructions that we get, that's where we get our value system. And when we have the right value system, our decisions become much easier. But also when you're facing anything, you want to pray and ask God for wisdom. That's what it talks about in James chapter one and and verse five, in the new Testament, that God will give us wisdom if we'll ask for it. But also when it comes to those decisions that we're facing and making, another thing that's important is godly influence. Sometimes we get around the wrong influence and that's when we get in trouble. So that's why the Freedom Church is a place, it is a safe haven. Nobody's perfect in here. This is not a hotel for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. So if you need help, reach out for godly influence because there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. So today, as we move forward, I want to talk about overcoming temptation. Now, I think the lion's share of people in here are like me. You put on some weight 
during the holidays. So how many of you here would lift your hand, and I think most of you will lift your hand and say, I'm trying to watch it to get rid of it. Raise your hand across the auditorium. Yes, most part of people are doing. Well, that's what makes it rough on you because this is something you've been trying to stay away from right here. And that thing looks good right there. I don't care what nobody says, that burger looks awesome right there. It's, it's some of you right now, just keep looking at it, you're salivating right now. Yes, you are. You're salivating in the moment. Some of you, that's not your cup of tea, but this right here is, mmm, man, you love pizza better than life itself. Yeah, yeah. Now, some of you, that don't bother you with hamburgers and pizza, but here's your Achilles heel. You're going through the big D and I ain't talking about Dallas right here, right? Yeah. That big donut, you want that donut, don't you? Because that donut is real, man. Now for me, I gained 15 pounds because I drank three gallons of this right here during the holidays. I did, I'm not, I'm not, that's not, I'm not make, putting up the number. I, I drank three gallons of eggnog during the holidays and I'm suffering for it. I'm not kidding you. But here's what I know. Nobody sets out in life to gain too much weight. Nobody sets out to spend too much money and then you end up filing bankruptcy. Nobody does that. That's just not our plan. Nobody sets out to be able to inhale cigarettes till it kills you. Just ends up happening. Nobody sets out to do something stupid lying to your family. Now your family distrusts you and you kind of feel like an island to yourself. You see, here's a question. I will never plan to wreck my life. Okay, basically, it's, it's a challenge in it. I, I, you know, I'm never going to plan to wreck my life. I'm telling you that. How many of you say, I never plan to wreck my life. I'm not going to. But so many people do. So many people do. Why is it that people, no matter what the temptation is, they give in to the temptation? Why is it that, that people going to work and next thing you know, somebody's flirting and next thing you know, you've stepped, you've, you've stepped over the line and you're regretting having an affair and your family's in disarray. Maybe it's a situation where that you got hurt and you started taking pain medicine and next thing you know, you find yourself addicted and looking for pain medicine wherever you can get it. You didn't set out to do that. Maybe it's a situation where that... <laughs> You're the ones that's crunching the numbers at the work and you've been trying to make them work, but you crossed the line a little bit. And next thing you know, you're in a bad situation because you crunched the numbers and you got caught in order to make the books work out. See, those kind of things happen. Why, why do they happen? Because you weren't ready. You weren't ready to stand firm in what you were supposed to do. You got that little device in your hand right here called a cell phone. You didn't mean you started just looking at bathing suits. Next thing you know, you were hooked and dominated by the sinful ploy of pornography. And now you're trying to hide it, but you got caught. Whatever it may be, why does those things happen? Why do those temptations happen? Because you weren't ready. What did Paul tell the Corinthians? Check it out right here in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on guard. Say that with me. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Here... 
the Corinthian church was waiting on the apostle Paul to come and visit them again. So he's telling them in this letter here, you have got to be on guard. You have got to be watchful. You have got to be alert against any kind of sin that could creep into your lives. You've got to stand firm in what we believe when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has been telling them about. You got to be really courageous because false teaching may very well slip into your life. We don't want any sin in the congregations, what Paul is saying, and we don't want any sin in the congregation here of Freedom Church. When Jesus was faced with going to the cross and he's in the garden, he's praying to his heavenly father. He says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He wished that that cup could have passed from him to take on my sins and yours. But then when he comes back to his faithful three, (laughs) Peter, James, and John, look what he says to them. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus is warning Peter, he comes up, they're asleep, and he comes up and he sees them asleep, and he lets them know you're gonna face all kinds of temptations. Temptations are going to strike, they're gonna come at you. When you're most vulnerable, you've gotta wake up because yes, the spirit is willing, but your flesh, your body, it's really weak. That's what he's trying to tell them. So what does that mean? For us as humanity, I tell you first and foremost, the devil is coming to devour you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to devour you, wants to devour your life. When you look at the original writing of the word devour, what it means in the Greek, that means he wants to gulp you down and take you out. That's what it means. As a matter of fact, it says right here, and he says, and Peter says this in 1 Peter 5 and 8, he says, stay alert. You ain't got time to sleep on this one is what he's saying. You got to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, when you look at this from the time that your spiritual birth happens, from the time that you are born again, you give your life to Christ, you become a target. I become a target. Now, if you're not a Christian yet, you can lean out on this because Satan has people that haven't crossed the line of faith yet. You haven't cut your way out through the power of the two-edged sword of the Holy Spirit to have your sins forgiven. But whenever you do become born again, that's when you become a target of the enemy. Last week, we talked about Eve and how the serpent came at her. The serpent in the form of the devil came to deceive. What Peter's talking about here is that the devil comes in the form of a lion to devour you. He wants to devour you and your family and everything about you. Some of you are thinking, you mean pastor You mean to tell me that the devil's after me? Absolutely, he's after you. He's after you. He's after your spouse. He's after your kids. He's after your business. He's after after you as if you're a professional or you're a business person. If you're old, if you're young, you're somewhere in between, he's after you. You got to get that and understand it and be alert and know that he's coming for you. Let me say this. Don't ever joke about the devil. You better have a respect for that great enemy. Because if you don't and you ignore him, he is going to take you out because you're going to underestimate his ability. Look at verse nine. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. See what he's saying here. Unless we stand, we're not going to be able to withstand. Not going to be able to do it. It's not going to happen. Before we can stand before Satan, we got to bow the knee before Jesus. It's that important. 
But not only is the devil coming for you, you are weaker, basically, and then you think you are. So what it is, you don't have the strength. I, I am not as strong as who, what I think I really am in my mind to battle against the enemy. You're just not there. First Corinthians 10, 12, it says here, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. People overestimate their ability to resist temptation. They have this cockiness about Christians that they think that they became so mature that they have no battle against Satan. That Satan's not going to come at them. Yes, people mature and they grow, but what I'm talking about is a plan that I'm not going to fail. You think you can resist more than you can. That's just like whenever the donuts are brought in the office, you're thinking you won't be able to lose, lose weight and you walk by the donuts about once. I got it. You walk by about twice and the next time your hands just went in there. You've got sugar on your lips and, and all the cream on your face and you don't, you don't went to the big D. <laughs> That's what people do. Why do we overestimate our ability to resist the wrong things? Think about it. Resisting temptation takes tons of energy. And there's a part of our brain that controls our willpower. There's studies been done on this. Now, I'm not going to bore you with stats, but there's studies that's been done on this. And that part of your brain that controls your willpower ends up wearing out within the flesh. So when you think about fighting temptation, maybe you have someone at work and they're getting on your last nerve. You want to choke them in the name of Jesus, but you don't. You keep your cool. But the next thing you go home, you've been resisting the, to think the temptation of want to fight and battle, but you get home and you lose your cool with the food. You hit the fridge, you sit down and you binge on the things you don't even want. It's kind of what happens. That willpower kind of wears out. That's what happens. Your self-control just kind of crashes. And then there's no time what it is to recover, to be able to build your strength back, to be able to fight it off. So you spend your energy in your life. Sometimes you might be hanging out with your kids and you're playing with your kids. And yes, they do some things to get on your nerve, but you're controlling yourself with that motion. And they're doing different things while you're playing with them and you're trying to keep your cool with them. Next thing you know, you blow up on your spouse. Because your willpower and your control crashes and you lose that energy that you had in order to be able to control those things that you come against your spouse. You're not as strong as you think you are. Understanding that Satan is coming at you to be able to mess you up. So here's what I want you to get in your head today. And I said to myself, I said, somebody's life's going to change today. I believe that every week. But how do you fight off temptation when we fight it every day? I don't care who you are, we face temptation. How do you fight it off? You've got to move the boundary line. You say, what do you mean boundary line? Well, it's real simple. Let me show you what the boundary line is here. So what is that? Right here's the boundary line. On this side over here, it's when you fail to temptation, it's sin. It's the wrong things. That's the regret side of the line. That's where you miss the mark. You towed the line and then you failed. You weren't on guard and you stepped over the line. Over here on this side of the line, this is the righteous side. This is the holy side. You understand, when, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, when it says you're righteous, it means you're in a right relationship with the Lord. 
And that's what matters. But so many people, what they want to do when it comes to sin, they want to toe the line. They want to get as close as they can right up next to it and hoping they don't sin. And that's just way too close. You know, on the first Sunday of this year, I challenged the church to do a 21-day fast. So you know what I did? I said in my fast and time to pray for myself and my wife and my family and my church family and for God's direction for this year for our church family. I said I was going to do without sugar. I don't know about you, but when you decide you're going to do without sugar, you can get to be a grumpy person. And so we went to my brother's house and they were in there. What were they doing? They were over there cooking cinnamon rolls. How many of you smell cinnamon rolls? It just wants to just wants to eat your lunch. Oh my goodness. So I'm over here, I'm over here right at the edge of the line right here, leaning over the stove. True story. I leaned over, they got the cinnamon rolls out, they put all the nice little sugary stuff on there, and I leaned over and I went, Boy, that smells so good. And they're laughing at me. But isn't that kind of what we do when it comes to any kind of temptation? We want to get as close to it as we can, toe the line. And you know what? Whenever you do this here and you get as close as you can, there's a thing called a point of no return. A point of no return is when the temptation, you step and you fall and regret begins to build on you. Satan begins to laugh at you. He begins to to make fun of you because of what you have done. So... We know there is a line of sin. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So what do we got to do? We, we've got to move the line. You say, what do you mean move the line? You got to move that line and not be thinking about that line over here. You need to move your line over here. So here we go. Here's the line. You say, what do you mean move the line? If you get really close to this right here, there is a good chance you're going to get pulled in. You need to move the line over here so you can say, I'm not even going to play with that over there. I'm not going to get near that over there. When it comes to my dating relationship, we're going to put some boundaries in place over here. We're not going to get this close over here. We're just not going to do that because when you do, you may go to the point of of no return. And next thing you know, you're in a mess. I'm not going to stand over here and know that, you know what, I I know I've had a drinking problem, but I'm just going to drink just enough and I'm going to stop just in time. No, next thing you know, you drank too much and you're hardly ever sober and you're over here living in regret because you've made some stupid decisions. Whatever it be, you've got to move that line over here and say, you know what, if that's an issue, I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to live over here in the safe zone. I'm not going to get that close to it. Some of you got the spiritual gift of using credit cards, (laughs) right? And you get over here and think, I'm going to juggle the credit card system right here. I'm going to get to 0% for this six months. Next thing you know, you have spent so much money, you can't get out of it. And you find yourself in deep regret and you can't get out because you thought you'd get really close to it. You would toe the line instead of moving the line over here and say, you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to put them in ice. I'm going to do some plastic surgery. I'm going to cut them up. I'm going to make things right. Whatever it may be, you don't want to live in a way to where that it is messing you up and trying to toe the line and getting so close to sin. Some of you spend more time right here thinking about trying your relationship with God. You spend all this time on social media. And next thing you know, you spend more time on social media than you do praying to God. You spend more time on flipping through Instagram and looking at other people's junk that you don't even spend much time reading the Bible. 
There's where your strength comes from because you live in towing the line. You got to move that line and get over here and say, you know what? I'm not even going to go over there. I don't, that's a line right there that if I cross, I regret. That's a line right there that I'm going to break the heart of God. That's a line right there that I don't want to sin. That's a line right there that I don't want to make people live in disappointment. That's a line right there. And I'm not even going to get close to because I don't want to mess things up. Nobody decides to mess their life up. Nobody intends to get married when they go up the aisle and say, I do, and then mess their life up, mess their marriage up. Nobody does that. You're moving the line away from the sin boundary. Some of you think, Pastor, that's no life. You're just being a little bit restrictive when it comes to religion. It's no fun, Pastor, what you're talking about. When it comes to that, you might cross the line, you may sin. Why do people sin? You ever thought about that? Because sin's fun. You say, I never thought I'd hear a pastor say sin was fun. If it wasn't fun, people wouldn't be sinning. But sin, missing the mark, is only fun for a season. Because sin will take you further, cost you more, and keep you longer than you ever imagined when you tow the line and you step across. This is the world of regret here. The world of regret. Look what it says in Psalm 16 and 6. The boundary lines, David is saying here, the boundary lines have fallen for me in a pleasant place, is what he's saying. The boundary line's in a pleasant place. That's not really a pleasant place over there for that line. Because that line's just too close to what things could go wrong in our life. Over here is the pleasant line. He says, and he goes on to say, he said, I have a delightful inheritance. You know what he's talking about? I have freedom. I have freedom. I have freedom. So not only that, when it comes to us moving that boundary line here, when you think about what could happen over here, this is what you do. You got to exaggerate the outcome. You think of the most worst possible scenario that could happen if you did cross the line. And it's going to give you strength to get away from the line, to be able to move the line. You're thinking, what does that mean? It means that when you're tempted to cross the line, that's a huge risk right there. So you've moved the line and you exaggerate the outcome. What would happen if I did this? What would happen if I fell to that sin? What can go wrong? What's the worst case scenario that could happen? See, we, we got to predetermine to be ready because the devil is coming for us. He wants to devour us. We're weaker than we ever think that we would be. We don't have that strength. And even considering getting close to the line, what could happen? Man, I don't want that to happen. Nobody decides I'm going out today to mess up my life. I'm not going to go out today. I'm not going out today. I don't want to go out today to, to lose my reputation. I don't want to go out today to lose my job. I don't want to go out today to lose my spouse or my kids. I don't want to go out today and cross the line of addiction. I might even go out today, and if I do, I may lose my life. Wow, (laughs) that would be sad. Nobody sets out to mess their life up. Look at this verse, and maybe it will seat in your being and in your mind forever. A verse I've always quoted Numbers 32 and 23, but if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Moses here is getting this promise that they're going to keep their word, that the children of Israel are going to fight that battle and going to stay with them until the fight is over. Then they're going to let them settle in the land on the opposite side of the Jordan instead of going into the promised land. And he's telling them, if you fail to keep your word and stay in the battle till it's done, and if you don't do it, 
You sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin is going to find you out. So what you do, you have to exaggerate the worst possible thing that could happen when it comes to sin. What happens if I toe the line? I may betray my vows and go through divorce. Or what would happen if I compromise my integrity? What would happen because I lost my family's trust? Nobody wants to go through that. You see, five minutes of sin will wreck a lifetime story of serving Jesus. Just five minutes. Just five minutes. The devil's going to attack. And when he does, we have to be ready. We got to move the, the boundary line. We've got to exaggerate the outcome. But also, this is, this is key. You got to pre-plan your escape. You say, what do you mean pre-plan my escape? Well, we decide in advance how we're going to avoid the temptation that the devil is going to throw our way. The greatest scriptural example in this, to me, is in the 39th chapter of Genesis. And many of you have known Joseph, the Joseph, the coat of many colors. You know, here he was. He was the youngest of his brothers. His father was so old, it was almost like a grandfather-grandson relationship. And he spoiled his son. He took him to Saks Fifth Avenue, got him this beautiful coat, cost thousands of dollars, and his brothers were jealous. And they hated him for it. They hated him for it. They hated him so bad, Joseph, because of, the, because of the favoritism that he was showing. They hated him so bad that he, his brothers wanted to kill him. And they were going to kill him. Thankful to his older brothers that didn't want it to happen. And they ended up selling him to Ishmaelite traders, which sold him off in Egypt, which Potiphar bought him there in Egypt. Well, next thing you know, he's serving in Potiphar's house. Well... Potiphar had a wife, and Potiphar's wife was a cougar. So she seen him and wanted him to sleep with her, and he didn't want anything to do with her. And he was very handsome and well-built, like all of you wives' husbands here are today. You need to say amen, ladies. He might not look like he did when you married him, but he's still your husband. You better tell him he's handsome and good-looking like Joseph. But here, the cougar's going after him, and this is what it says. It says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility. Do you understand? This is a big deal over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. <laughs> and that's important to a man, right? Can I say amen, men? That's right. So it says here that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. So Potiphar's wife keeps trying to get with Joseph, trying to sleep with Joseph. And you know what for Joseph? It could have been really easy for him to be able to give in because he's all alone. No one's going to find out. Potiphar's gone to the, to the pyramids today. It's a long ways to get back on his chariot. Nobody's going to find out. And also, he could have done what a lot of people do. He could have said, you know what? I didn't get myself in this situation. I didn't do anything wrong. He could have blamed God or he could have blamed his brothers. It's God's fault. It's my brother's fault. They sold me into slavery. I'm not the one that caused this situation. It's not my fault. What people end up doing, they use their disappointments to justify their disobedience. That's what happens to people. Make excuses. And... You end up saying all these things of why it wasn't your fault. So then you move into a point to rationalize the decision of disobedience that you decide to make. Rationalize the last four letters. Lies. 
you listen to the father of lies. And then you find yourself in a situation you didn't plan on being in. God, let me be in this situation. I'm going to live in it. No, 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 no. You know, that wasn't Joseph. He was thinking, God, you let me in this situation. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to do it. No, no, no. So anyway, Joseph had pre-planned his escape because he wanted to honor God. He told her, no deal. I'm not doing this. Your husband has trusted me with everything about his estate here and his affairs. The only thing I don't have is you as his wife. And I, how in the world would I ever sin against my God? So he resisted her and she stopped purring at him and the temptation was gone. Not. She never gave up on him. She kept coming after him day after day after day. And next thing you know, you'd think that the devil was going to wear him down. And that's what the devil tries to do. He'll keep coming after you, trying to wear you down, trying to wear you down. The devil isn't going to stop coming at you. He's going to keep coming at you. He's going to do everything he can to devour you. He's going to attack you. He's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy because that's who he is. And you might think that Joe here is Joe Strong, but he wasn't strong. You know what he was? He was ready and he was smart. And he was smart enough to pre-plan his escape away from her. So one day Potiphar's wife comes at him and she said, let's go. Look what happens here. Says she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he walked away. Oh, as he strutted away, as he tiptoed away. No, it says he ran. Say ran. He ran from the house. He left his coat. And for him, it was better to have a good name than a good coat that he had. So he's already planning his escape. She grabs him. He runs. And he's not, and you think about this, he's not really strong enough. He's over towing the line. He's not strong enough to resist that kind of temptation because he had moved his line. He knew the outcome of what could happen. He exaggerated in his mind and he pre-planned to be able to get away from it. So he was able to get away. And the whole story of how he sticks with God through that time beyond that, beyond that point, I want you to think about that. When you read the story, he ends up going from the prison to the palace because he stuck with God and he listened to God and God was his Lord and his Savior that he had that relationship with him. But think about this. All of us here, this is the good news I want to read to you. In 1 Corinthians, this is the assurance of being able to, to get away from the temptation for all of us. It says this, and Paul said this to the Corinthians in 10 and 13 in his first letter. He said, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. Doesn't mean it's the same temptation, but it's no different in the fact that we're all tempted in our experiences. But it says, and God is faithful. Say God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will. It doesn't say he might or he's thinking about it or there's a possibility. He says he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, the devil is coming and when he attacks, you got to be ready. You got to be pre-planned for your escape. See, once again, nobody plans to mess their life up. Nobody makes that plan. You people plan not to is the problem. So I want to ask you to be very honest about where you are, where you're vulnerable. How would the devil attack you right now? What is it? 
Does the devil attack you to tell lies, to make yourself look good, make people think you're something that you are, but yet you're living in total insecurity? And nobody trusts you anymore, and they say about you, say, you know, when he's, he's lying, you know, when she's lying, when they're talking? Be vulnerable. Maybe you like juicy nuggets, juicy morsels, as Proverbs talks about. You like to gossip. When you see something on Facebook, you want to talk to your friends about it and immediately text them because you want to know. Yet you really don't know the details. But yet you end up talking about it. You know what gossip is, don't you? It's when you're neither part of the problem or part of the solution, but yet you're bumping your gums about it. Maybe it's a situation in your life to where that you're vulnerable when it comes to being judgmental of people, critical of people. You just find yourself doing it. You're the kind of person that you find yourself, if you're not careful, you find yourself being negative. Negativity breeds negativity. Maybe it's a situation where that you're towing the line in a lustful, temptuous situation. And you know you're towing the line right now. And if you don't get a plan in place to move that line, to be able to exaggerate what that outcome's going to do and get a pre-planned of escape, man, it's going to be sad what's going to happen when you dishonor God, you dishonor your spouse, dishonor your family, dishonor your kids, and live in regret. Maybe you're carrying a load of unforgiveness. All of us have had that before. Things that people have hurt us. But yet, we carry that load and we don't forgive. And when we face them and they come toward us, we turn and go the other way because we don't want to look them in the eye. Could you imagine that if we're not willing to forgive, doesn't mean you go back and be best BFF with them. It doesn't mean that. It just simply means you forgive and you smile and you go on. Jesus said, if you won't forgive those basically you're doing life here with, here on this earth, my heavenly Father's not going to forgive you. What is it in your life? What is it in your life? Is it something you're compromising your integrity right now? You know it, and it's bearing the weight down on you. You've got to predetermine that you're going to put distance between yourself and the temptation that's trying to take you out. So, so important. Today, I've never seen a time that where that people in ministry live in glass houses. In 2022, I've seen stuff about ministry leaders across the world that just blew my mind, especially in the last two years. And I've seen ministry leaders, and I just wonder how many times that that person was lost and undone. And because of their ministry, they were getting close to the cross. And because they didn't move the boundary line, because they didn't exaggerate the outcome, because they didn't have a pre-planned of escape, they fail. And next thing you know, that person was getting close to the cross and it pushed that person away. Wow, what weight of regret that lives in this area. I love Dr. Billy Graham. What a great man of God. He lived his whole life ministering the gospel. And he said the one thing that he feared was that there would be a reproach or some kind of accusation and he didn't want that to happen. He was never alone with a woman anywhere. And to my knowledge, he died with integrity, 
with character and love for his fellow man and most of all with God. Something's terrified me that I lay in bed at night and I lay in bed at night with my wife and and I think about as I've gotten older and I don't want to be that person either. My wife goes to sleep. I'm praying over her. I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my grandkids. I'm praying for you because I want to be one that's an example that we get this thing right in this life because one day we're going to check out and when we do where we check in is the greatest decision we've ever made and you know what when we leave this world you know really all that matters is that we were born again and knew Jesus in our heart and who did we tell about that it's really all that matters God wants all of us to be so honoring to him in a broken world that it brings him glory and it builds our relationship with Jesus. Why would we, why would we ever resist a temptation in the future that we can move the line and eliminate now by exaggerating what could happen and be sure that we've got a plan to escape? Why would we ever do that? Wouldn't make a lot of sense. So the devil's going to attack. He's going to do everything he can do to destroy your reputation, to destroy your witness, to destroy your ministry, to destroy your friendships, to destroy your relationships. He's going to do everything to destroy your spouse, your kids, your business, your life. See, you're not as strong, none of us are, as we think we are. So we got to be on guard. We've got to watch. We've got to pray. We've got to be sure that we don't play with fire because we're, we're going to get burned. And you know what? Whenever you make the plans that I'm talking about today, understanding that your values are clear, your decisions will always be much easier because here's what's going to happen. At some point, you're going to get tired. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get angry. You're going to get emotional. You're going to get discouraged, even depressed. And you know what? That's when you are most vulnerable. But the decision, if you make the plan today, the decision won't be based on emotions in the moment, but on the values that God has placed in our hearts. And that's what really matters. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I am just so thankful, God, today that we have a relationship with you to give us strength beyond this carnal life. God, we know that there's ever been a time, it's a time now that we're under attack. And God, we need you. As we continue to pray, how many of you right now would say by the lifting of your hand just God I want your help to be ready for the enemy's attack who's trying to devour and tempt me lift your hand all over say I want want help because the enemy's trying to come at me he's coming 
What I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to pray as I pray with you and I pray for you for God to be able to help you to understand that you do move that boundary line. You don't tiptoe up the edge. You don't toe the line of sin. You exaggerate the worst possible outcome that could come and you always have a way and you're pre-planning in your mind how you're going to escape. It's going to make all the difference in the world. Father, right now as we pray and these that's lifted your hand, praise, I pray in your precious name right now, God, that you would do a mighty, mighty work, God in our lives. May we watch. May we pray. May we stand firm in the faith. May we be on guard, Heavenly Father. Touch and bless each of us, God. We need your strength. We need your power. And we do that through full surrender to you today and the leadership of your Holy Spirit, God. May we not be led of the flesh, but may we be led of the Spirit, God, today. We pray in Jesus' name. Give us strength, God. Give us power. Give us your plan love you. We praise you. As we continue praying, the greatest decision that you need to make is what you're going to do with Jesus. Because Jesus came and as he came, he came to become our sin. He was tempted in all ways, but yet he never fell to that sin. He was a sinless man who became both God and flesh and he gave his life on a cross to take care of our sin debt. What an amazing love from Jesus Christ. And you're here today and your heart is pounding. It's because the Holy Spirit of God is trying to get into your heart. He wants to come in and give you what his son has done for you to be able to forgive you of your sins, to be able to give you this great life and purpose and joy and peace. And you know what? I believe somebody in the house today needs that. You feel that. You feel that conviction of that love that you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Savior of your soul. So if that's you today, shoot your hand up real high. Don't be ashamed. Christians are praying to shoot your hand up real high and say, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. God bless you. Anyone else? I need, yes, God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Now listen, let me tell you what. The enemy's going to do everything he can do to convince you you don't need to pray to Jesus. He's going to lie to you and tell you his number one scheme and say you've got plenty of time. No, right now. Hey, the day of salvation is today. So would you just pray to him right now and just tell him right now, right where you're at, those that lifted your hand, Christians, you're praying, and just tell him, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart. Just tell him, say, Lord, I, I believe in you. It's you knocking. I want to confess my sins to you. I want to be born again. Please forgive me. Make me new, Lord. I'm going to follow you all of my days from this point forward. Salvage my life. Transform me into being like you. Save me. My life is yours, Lord. Now, if you prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul, thank him right where you're at. And he's going to give you the Holy Ghost of God in your life. And he's going to give you the strength you need. And you're going to go out and you're going to be able to give God uh, your life and be able to live for him. Things are going to be different. Your heart's going to be clean. Your purpose is going to be set. Your peace is going to be strong. Your joy is going to be. You're going to have a level of love like you've never had before. Somebody get happy in this place. God is doing something today. Let's give him praise, church. Come on now. God is doing something in the house today. Glory be to your name, Lord. Thank you, God, for the souls you're saving, for the lives you're changing, for the difference you're making. Find us faithful, God, standing strong, being on guard, being alert, moving the line 
understanding what outcomes could come, God, and pre-planning that escape so we can be honoring to you in our love with you and our love with others. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Let's give our Savior some praise, all right?